G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. God is not waiting on the secular humanists to repent. He's waiting on the church to repent and to be the true church. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. The Western world, with all its wealth and opportunity, notices when there is a financial crisis or an environmental disaster or a human tragedy. Pastor Jeff asks us, with Christianity under attack, are these events used by God to get our attention? When you begin to pray, a beautiful thing happens. God starts to work on all sides of the issue. Problem is not with the secular world. It's with the church failing to get on her knees and ask God to heal the land. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we continue Pastor Jeff's message, When God Exits. Do we really believe in the sovereignty of God? Come on now. We went over to West Coast Catalyst, took a team over. I found that Ravi Zacharias was speaking. He was speaking at West Coast Catalyst. Patrick Mitchell, our college pastor, called Danielle Durant, who made the appointment, and I have met with Ravi a few times, so he agreed to have breakfast just with me and Patrick. Dr. Ravi Zacharias, Patrick Mitchell, Jeff Vines. <laughs> Patrick was all goo goo gaga. I had to settle him down. And we just sat there and talked with Ravi about everything food, coffee, life, some of the big questions of life. And then right before Ravi got up to speak, he had to go back to the green room. And Ravi said, Why don't you come back and hang out with me before I go out? 3,000 people waiting on Dr. Zacharias, and just me and Ravi hanging out just talking about the deeper things of life. Actually, he was talking, I was listening. What a great time. I came back around the back and took my place up. I made sure all the staff saw me walk out. And I made sure all of them said, where have you been? So that I could say, I've been with Ravi. I sat down and I wondered if Ravi was going to deliver this famous paragraph he delivers. I've almost memorized it, not quite. He's such an orator, such a way with words. And about halfway through the sermon, he begins. And I know where he's going. And chill bumps run up and down my spine as Dr. Zachariah says, I want to recall your attention to the night of December, that glorious night, 1960s, when Apollo 13 began to make its way across the moon the other side. That Christmas night, the Apollo astronauts had gone to the dark side of the moon. They had fired their rockets to be on their homeward journey. They were given a glimpse of this universe no human eye had ever seen before. And as they fired their rockets and the earth rose over the horizon of the moon, draped in a beauteous mixture of blue and white, garlanded by the glistening light of the sun. No lyricist helped them. No historian helped them. No philosopher helped them. No musician helped them. The only words those astronauts in the Apollo 13 could come up to describe this beautiful scene was these words. In were these words. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God that there is a creator and sustainer of all things. He's still large and in charge and he's still on the throne in America. And if you believe that, then you'll take heart 
Because you'll know that God is not surprised at what's happening in our country, that he's on top of things, that he has a purpose and a plan in all this. And it's our opportunity as the church of Jesus Christ to trust God and to shine and to be ready when people begin to figure out one by one that everything here is temporal, it is moving toward destruction, we can point them toward God's eternal kingdom. There's no one... There is no one who knows ultimately the mind of God, but we can look at how God has operated in the past and make some good guesses. Now, I want you to listen carefully. I just got back from the North American Christian Convention. Busy meetings all day. I want to tell you, part of me, I was so glad to be the senior pastor of Christ Church of the Valley because we were the talk of the town in many circles. Everybody was talking about the big baptism service we had in February. 619 baptisms over two weekends. It was on the front page of many of the journals that were put out and everybody wanted to say, tell us about your church. Tell us about that place out in San Dimas, California. I was so proud. It was sinful, but I was so proud. Meeting after meeting, everybody wants to know what's going on. I just love, there's just a part of us that loves that. Significance. I was tired out. I was just worn out. And then there was one more meeting to have. Eric and Chris Berry had asked that they could meet with me. I was tired. I just wanted to go to bed, but it was about 10 o'clock. We went outside and we began to talk. Eric and Chris have been missionaries that Christ Church of the Valley has supported. They are what I call A-plus players. They've been training leaders in churches all over the world. And Eric and I just kind of started talking. And the more we talked, the more we realized, man, we are very similar people here. We started talking about what is happening in missions all over the world, what the church should be doing. And I want you to hear what he told me. He told me, now here's a man who is helping church planters all over the world spread the gospel all over the world. And he said the work he's most excited about right now is that there are Christians from China going to the Middle East to take the gospel. Now you think about that. Let me say it again. Christians from China going to the Middle East to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. We started talking about how for so many years in China, they got, now think about this and then make the application, contextualize it in your head. For so many years, if you're a Christian, you're persecuted in China, you're shoved down, you're pressed down, you're limited, you're threatened. And now here we have China today. Would you like to know the number of Christians now in China? It equals one third of the population of the United States of America. Here's what that tells me. It tells me this, that any time that you try to press something down and you push and you push and you shove, all you're doing is creating a volcanic effect that one day it's gonna jump out and explode everywhere. What you press down ends up ultimately erupting. And when I talked to him, I thought about how American Christians are being pressed down and I wondered, is God allowing us to be pressed that he might cause us to explode and be used for the great revival of souls returning to Christ before the second coming? What happened when the church was persecuted in the past? Explosion, growth. Remember what I told you during our religious series or our series on religion rather? Then for 300 years, for 300 years, that's older than this country, Christians were brutally murdered and tortured because they were Christ followers. They were disemboweled, crucified, beheaded, dipped in hot oil, set on fire, and used as lampposts in the streets of Rome, fed to the lions in the Colosseum for sport, murdered, tortured in all possible manners. And it must have seemed like the greatest backfire in the eyes of Nero, Christianity kept spreading like wildfire, especially under persecution, till the third century church father Tertullian writes, the blood of the martyrs became the seed, and the more it was spilled, the greater the number of Christians. When you press something down, it explodes. When you persecute it, it grows. 
People say, aren't you worried about what's happening in America? No. I think God is allowing us to be pressed, to build up the volcano eruption until one day those who finally discover it's a temporal situation in a temporal world, they'll go try to find to discover the truth. And those who are living according to the biblical Jesus, those who have become the real church, they'll be the ones standing high, the city on the hill that cannot be hidden, and anything that is fluff will slowly dissipate. There's a new book out. It's called God is Back. Can you believe it? It's written by two, it's just come out. It's written by two economists from London. They say that the search for truth and meaning is at an all-time high. Now, remember, you heard it here first. I told you that your students are a lot more smart than we give them credit for. He says, here's what's happening on university campuses all over Europe and in America. Students of the academy have been listening, and the more they listen, the more suspicious they have gotten. Now they're asking these questions. Why are you trying so hard to discredit Christianity, God, and the Bible? Methinks thou dost protest too much. <laughs> Maybe there's something to this. Ravi Zacharias told me that now when he goes into Harvard, Princeton, Yale, when he goes into Oxford, they cannot contain the number of people who want to get in. People are looking through the windows and the doors to hear what he has to say about the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are finding out what is temporal dissipates. What is eternal lasts forever. We love our country, man. We can't just sit by and watch all this you say to Jeff. Good, then here's the answer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Now let me just point out something. This is the Hebrew equivalent to the Greek concept of poor in spirit. When you come to the end of yourselves as Americans and you stop trying to change this country in and of your own power, when you realize there is more power in prayer than in social political activity. I'm not saying stop the social political activity. I'm just saying you got to know where the real power lies. And it's not in holding a picket sign on a street corner. It's getting on your knees and praying that the God who has developed and led our leaders in our country will start to move in a powerful way. That they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. I believe the problem is not with the world. God is not waiting on the secular humanists to repent. He's waiting on the church to repent and to be the true church. To get out of our weakness and our attitude of non-committal. We're distracted with the temporal. We're following the American Jesus. The problem is he doesn't exist. God is waiting for his people to repent and stop looking at God as a last resort. He wants to be the first resort. This is Today with Jeff Vines and his message, When God Exits. Christianity is being attacked and many are trying to debunk Jesus, but God uses trials and pressure to refine his people as we seek him in prayer. Here's Pastor Jeff. Number one, do you believe that God is sovereign? Number two, are you calling on his name? Because when you do, when you pray, God releases his divine energy. He orchestrates and fashions events together. A bleak situation turns into miraculous advancement of the purposes of God. And sometimes you get to become the primary agent for change. Tony Capallo tells the story of going out to preach out on the East Coast, Pennsylvania. And he said, I love to go out there and preach at this Pentecostal church. I'm not Pentecostal, but I talk so fast it seems like I'm speaking in tongues, so it all works out okay. <laughs> He says, I love them because they take me back in this little room and they kneel me down 
And there's about eight preachers that lay their hands on me and pray for me before I preach. And I, I like that. I need prayer. He says, but they pray those Pentecostals a long time. They're like praying for hours and they put their hand on my head and you got eight big burly men who are praying. They start to get tired and they're all leaning on my bald head. He said, when that happens, it doesn't feel so good. He said, and this one guy was really ticking me off. He kept praying. He wasn't even praying for me on my message. He was praying for some dude by the name of Charlie Stolfus. He said, God just blessed Charlie. God helped Charlie Stolfus. And he kept saying, you know, God, Charlie lives down the road from the church on the right-hand side, one mile in a white trailer. Kapalo says, man, I can't. I just want to say to the guy, knock it off, man. Do you think God's saying, what's that address again? Where does he live? <laughs> but the whole time he keeps praying for Charlie Stolfus. God, be with Charlie Stolfus. You know, he's leaving his three children and his wife today. I pray you'd be with him. And he just kept praying for Charlie Stolfus. Finally, the prayer's over. He goes, deliver his message, gets on the Pennsylvania turnpike to go home. And right as he gets on the turnpike, there's a hitchhiker. Kapalo says, I know you're not supposed to pick up hitchhikers, but he says, I'm a preacher. And anytime you can have somebody confined in that kind of space for hours, you're not going to pass that up. So I picked up the hitchhiker. I'm driving down the road about, I don't know, a mile, mile and a half. I looked over and I said, hey, my name is Tony Campolo. What's yours? He says, my name is Charlie Stolfus. <laughs> Campolo says, there was a pause. He got off the next exit, which made this guy very nervous. Where are you going? He said, I'm taking you home. <laughs> what do you mean? You're about to leave your three children and your wife. I'm taking you home. Now, at this point, he's plastered against the passenger side. And Kampalo says, I really did him in when I pulled into the driveway of his home. Because I knew he lived one mile up the road on the right-hand side in a white trailer. He got out of the car. He ran onto the front porch. He starts hugging his wife. They talk. Kampalo says, I went in there and I set them down. I said, you're going to listen to me. And he won them to Jesus Christ. And today, Charlie Stolfus is a preacher in Southern California. Why do I tell you that? When you begin to pray, a beautiful thing happens. God starts to work on all sides of the issue with coaches and teachers and PTA directors and the governor and the president. The problem is not with the secular world. It's with the church failing to get on her knees and ask God to heal the land. But why wouldn't the church do that? Because the answer is this. When God answers, it may be painful. Now think about this for a moment. How does God remind people that he provides all things, that he's sovereign and on the throne? The answer is by stripping people of everything they depend on other than himself. He causes his son to rise on evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, but the converse is also true. When God judges wickedness, do the righteous feel the effects? Yes, they do, but they respond differently because they trust in a sovereign God. And they say, God, my life's not about this world anyway, so if you gotta do it, you gotta do it, I'm in. You see that word wicked ways in the Hebrew? It's an interesting concept. If they will turn from their wicked ways, it's a Hebrew word that actually means practical atheism. It means that I confess Jesus with my mouth, but I live day to day as if he were not real. He's saying when you stop, when you stop just confessing and get there's action in your life to where you're going through the narrow gate, living on the narrow road and making changes in your life, then I will hear you. I will hear the authentic, genuine prayer of an authentic, genuine Christian and group of believers. And then I will heal the land. God is not waiting on the secular humanists to become Christians. He's waiting on his people to turn their hearts and wills toward God. Listen, if there be 10 righteous, what if there be 5,000? in San Dimas, California, and they start taking prayer seriously. Because when this church is pressed down and the volcano eruption happens and everything explodes everywhere, I want to be right in the middle of it. 
I want to I have a church. I want to be part of a group of people where people are dying to get in here to hear the truth of the gospel because they know now that nothing temporary matters. We need to get back to the biblical Jesus. We stand up and we say that the commands of Jesus Christ while binding are not arbitrarily given. He gives them because he's motivated out of love. And if we follow his way, it is the best way and the way that leads to life. People need to know that we believe God's love is unconditional. And you stop evangelizing only people that look like you. That you go after everyone. And you share your faith. And you live that life. And your compassion is unending as you get involved in the felt needs of the community. Folks, listen. Think about the Mayflower. A few people make a decision that has an amazing trickle effect so that we have this nation that we have today. And there were less than 5,000 on that Mayflower, I'll tell you, who wrote, who wrote the Mayflower Compact. But what happens if all of us, what would happen, man, if all of us, if we prayed with our son and we prayed with our daughter and we prayed as a family and we prayed for our nation and while we're praying that we cleaned up our own house, could God not use Christ Church of the Valley to do much more than 620 baptisms on a weekend? I mean, I'm happy about that. The people are plunging their past. What could he do if we got serious? I hope, I hope that today, as you leave, that you will make a commitment to begin to pray for our nation, to pray for our leaders, and to pray for revival to happen here so that we'll be right smack dab in the middle of what God is about to do as this great volcano called the church explodes and people begin to come to Christ before the second coming. I want you to stand. I want to say God bless you. I want you to have a great weekend. This is Today with Jeff Vines and that's the end of When God Exits. Please join us again next time for a new message from Pastor Jeff. There are people that you live with in your communities. They are impoverished. We're not talking about physically blind, physically impoverished. We're talking about spiritually impoverished. And all they need is somebody to love them enough to tell them about the great banquet. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 